Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Today on Conflict Managed, we are talking with Lieutenant Mark Cancia, who is a lieutenant in the Salvation Army. Mark reminds us that the path to solving problems at work is through curiosity, questions, clarity, and compassion. He shares with us the life-impacting message he learned from his friend Tor and the importance of asking himself and others what value they are adding to any situation, along with his meaningful experience going through Leadership Jackson. Lieutenant Mark Cancia is a first-generation American and second-generation Salvationist. Mark started working as soon as he was able, taking positions in retail sales, the food and beverage industry, youth camps, and jobs on campus. He is a 2014 graduate of Florida State University and a 2018 commissioned officer of the Salvation Army's Evangeline Booth College. Mark is an ordained minister and shares the gospel through management and social services with the Salvation Army. Good morning, Mark, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Good morning, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's nice to be here, and I look forward to talking through conflict and how we manage it. Excellent. I know this is a busy season for you. Um, so why don't you tell us about your work history? Okay. So I work now with the Salvation Army. I've, I've worked with the Salvation Army for many years now, actually, since I've graduated uh, from college in one, I guess I've worked in different parts of the Army um, throughout my professional career. Um, I started out as a program aide out in Memphis at a community center. Um, after two years of that, I've worked um, as a cadet at the training school. Um, after two years of that, I moved up to Louisville where I was an assistant corps officer, which is like an assistant pastor in a church. Um, after a year of that, I moved to Nashville and I was the student ministry coordinator at Trevecca Nazarene University. Um, and then after a year of that, I was appointed to Jackson where I'm the Corps officer um, and I get to lead the work of the Salvation Army here. That's wonderful. How long have you been in Jackson? Uh, this is my third year now. Third year now. So yeah. what, what drew you to the Salvation Army? So I guess it started when I was a young kid. I, um, I got introduced to the Salvation Army with my family. Um, both of my parents and my siblings, um, we were all just kind of ready for a new type of church experience. Um, and the Salvation Army was there. Um, for me as a, as a young kid, um, I just liked the dynamics of the, the Salvation Army and, and how we do church. Um, and so it's something that happens throughout the week. And then on Sundays, there is um, typically an hour long meeting with food either before or after. And so I just enjoyed that type of fellowship and, and the food was always pretty good. And, um, and as I grew, I learned more about what the Salvation Army did and how we function as an organization. And with the way that, you know, I had been developed, I saw that some of my skills, some of my interests, some of my passions um, worked well with the organization. And so I stuck around and I have committed 
to being part of this work and bringing others into it as well. I'm just now realizing that my um, understanding of the Salvation Army is small because, I mean, as a child and just growing up, my experience with the Salvation Army has been people uh, ringing bells with their mm -hmm. red containers outside of um, different businesses during the Christmas season. And I suppose I thought the Salvation Army was primarily a charitable endeavor. Yeah. I knew it was a, a Christian-based organization. But I thought you guys were primarily in the ser into service. Yeah. And so I think that's common. Um, many people see us as, you know, a social service organization. And that's definitely like 100% part of who we are. Yet the motivation, like you said, everything that we do is motivated by the love of God. And so because of what we believe, we do right? We do for others. We do in community. And yeah, it takes money. And so our primary and most well-known fundraiser is the ringing of the bell every season. So, yeah. When I talk to people about workplace culture and dealing with, with conflict, it's, it's very helpful to have to be purpose-driven, right? So mm -hmm. when you have a mission, you have a purpose, it can help rally people around so we're going in the same direction. Yeah. And so obviously the Salvation Army has a very clear direction and purpose and mission. And yet I would imagine that you have conflict just like every organization has conflict because the Salvation Army is peopled with people. Yeah. So, so how do you or how what has been your experience of working at Salvation Army in different locations of how conflict is addressed? So in, in my personal experience, because um, we, we work with a wide array of people, right, with different experiences, with different education levels, um, with different, you know, levels of commitment and understanding of who we are, what we do, why we do it. Um, and so it is a very dynamic experience and there's always conflict. Um, right now we're working with dozens of bell ringers. Um, and these are people that may not work, you know, throughout the year, whether it be because they are disabled or they're on social security or whether they, whatever reason why they may not work. Um, and so there's some conflict sometimes in managing um, some of the bell ringers. And so, my approach is to think, okay, how am I communicating what the expectation is? Or how am I communicating what the issue is and trying to get to a point of clarity? Are the words that I'm using clear? Does this person understand what the objective is? And what barriers are they experiencing, right, that, are, that, that might be preventing them from being successful? So I, I like to just kind of think to myself, like, okay, how am I communicating? Who am I communicating to? What are the issues that we're, we're trying to work through? Um, and so I just, I ask a lot of questions um, to myself and then to the other person um, so that we can, we can clarify and and begin to move through whatever that issue is. Well, Mark, I would say that is a textbook perfect answer. I love <laughs> it so much. So if that's your philosophy for dealing with conflict, let's say with a particular you know, volunteer population, how have you found in practice, like does it practically work? Does it practically work? Um, 
That's a beautiful question. Does it practically work? Yes. <laughs> I definitely want to say yes. Um, I, I also think, you know, sometimes, and, and I've heard this before, um, that I'm very nice, right? So sometimes because I, I tend to ask questions and not make assertions immediately, um, people say, Mark, you're just being too nice. You need to hold them accountable. You need, and yeah, I, I, I definitely see that there is a need for accountability always and in every arena. Yet I, I like to, I, there's, there's value in curiosity. You know, why aren't you performing the way that I need you to perform? What are the issues? What's preventing you from being successful? And how can we come together to make this better? Or do, or is this not the right fit at this time, right? And yeah. so I ask these questions and allow the questions to then guide our, our next steps. And so um, I do think it's successful um, because I think sometimes with questions, um, sometimes with questions, people aren't necessarily offended, right? And they're more like, okay, we are curiously looking at how to resolve the issue instead of the individual feeling attacked or as if they're doing something wrong and we're unwilling to, to work through it together. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Curiosity and questions. And as you said at the top, if we the goal is communication. Yeah. Communication is not just I I have this idea, I'm giving it to you. I have this direction, I'm giving it to you. That doesn't mean that what we want through the process of communication has actually been achieved. Curiosity, questions, looking for barriers to understanding, as you said. I mean, that that's what you have to do. That's a part of active listening and leading. Yeah. Absolutely. So Mark, can you tell us about what was your first job, first job you ever had as a young person? The first job I ever had was down in West Palm Beach, Florida. There was an organization called Teens Against Drugs and Alcohol. And we operated off commission and and I'm doing my best to remember. I just, what I remember is everybody was given like a tote and we had random things like candles and cookies and peanut brittle and um, these different things. And we had like this script and we would go door to door to different people's houses, knocking and saying, hey, my name is Mark. I'm with Teens Against Drugs and Alcohol. Would you like to help me go to Orlando on this trip by buying X, Y, or Z. Um, and so that was, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was my first job. That sounds tough. That sounds like a tough first job. It, it was, it was. And I think that that job just helped me develop, develop some things like, you know, resiliency and, persistency, right? Showing up and doing something that I'm not necessarily comfortable with, but just keeping at it. Um, Because yeah, it was very uncomfortable and I don't like selling today, right? And I don't know, maybe that's why I don't like selling, but just even the idea of going house to house, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, (laughs) oh, youth. Right. But I probably wanted to buy like walkie talkies or something or, you know, just some some gadget that my parents didn't want to buy. So I had to get the money, you know. 
you know, there is nothing like just showing up and being awkward. And as you said, resiliency. So when we think about, I like thinking about first jobs. And Mm -hmm. of course, a lot of times we don't know what life lessons we're learning um, as we're going through it. But the idea of persistency and being there for, I'm sure you experienced a lot of rejection, Mm -hmm. but along with probably interesting conversations and um, some real kindness. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Knowing what you know now, and you were to put yourself back um, in Florida and that teenage Mark self, would you approach that job any differently? You know, I, I would probably show up again, you know, and own it and say, yeah, um, I have goals, right? I have things that I want to buy. I I have things that I want to do. And maybe just maybe you're, you're willing to support it. And so, yeah, I'm absolutely going to show up to your door and I'm going to knock and I'm going to you know, let you know who I am and what I have and give you the opportunity to invest or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't think I would do anything different. But again, um, these are, I mean, I would show up, you yeah. know, with a little more confidence and just, I guess, just, just showing up, you know, and giving it what we've got. I mean, I like that you sort of transitioned from what your younger self wants walkie-talkies or something. And now you say, I've got these goals. And I think that's a really important reminder because what's important to us at different stages, it might change. But whatever Mm -hmm. is important to us is valuable at that time for who we are at that stage. And if we think about that as in different stages of life, we have different goals and different things are valuable to us. That's important to have in mind what it is that we want to give us the stamina and the really the ability to show up when it's difficult. Absolutely. Just that motivation, right. To do Um, at that time, you know, my, my motivation was to have walkie talkies to communicate with my brothers or my friends that lived across the street. That was before cell phones, you know, so like (laughs) walkie talkies were the thing. And now it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to be able to do, for myself and for others, right? I want to have um, enough for me to live well and then for me to contribute to the wellness of someone else. So, yeah. So, Mark, when you think about the different um, experiences you've had and all the different kinds of jobs you've, you've, you've had, what stands out as the best experience, either with an organization or a coworker? So one of the best experiences I, I have, I've had many, many, many good experiences. Um, I love to work with people. And so this, like working with good people, just like, I love it. It's a beautiful thing. I love working with people that um, show up, that are confident, that are kind, that are willing to contribute what they have you know, whether it be their creativity or whether it be their compassion, whether it be their their um, ability to organize or communicate or whatever. I love, I love to work with people that are like that. Um, and so if I were to think of one particular instance, um, it could be with one of my, I, I call him a friend tour. He's a friend and a mentor. I love um, that. Yeah. And 
this guy, he's just brilliant. His name is Major Ethan Frizzell. And, um, and the way that he thinks is just different. He's all about improving the quality of life for others. Um, and, and with that, like it, it, I resonate with that because I always want to um, add value to wherever I am, whoever I'm with, I like, we, we connect in that way. Um, and so just learning from him, um, leading beside him, um, leading, you know, with him and under him. And um, yeah, that that's probably one of the most significant experiences that I have um, in the workplace. You know, so much of your job at the Salvation Army, I imagine, is out- outward facing, right? You're with the public, you're getting volunteers, you're doing mm-hmm. external things. And then also, I'm sure, um, in church services externally. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you see this, uh, what your friend tour has, has, has taught you and shown you, how that works with co-workers? So... John Maxwell, in in one of his books, shared the idea of what we bring to the table as individuals, right? People, um, every every individual person brings something to the table, which means when you're working on a team, you bring something to the table. When you're part of an organization like this, you bring something um, to this organization, and so with what my friend Tor has said, right, he said he, he's all about improving the quality of life for others. Um, and then with the idea of John Maxwell, of everybody bringing something to the table, my mind, you know, marries the two ideas. And it's like, OK, what are you bringing to the table? And is it something that's beneficial and good? Um, is it something that is adding value? And it could be something, you know, as extensive as one's experience. It could be somebody's education. It could be their attitude, right? Um, just the, the fact, like, to be mindful of what it is that we're bringing to the table. Every individual that's part of a team or part of an organization, um, I think that is a good thought. I think it's interesting when you said what you bring to the table, because immediately in my mind, I thought bounty table, you know, we're having this uh, meal together, very positive. But then something else you said made me think, well, you know, sometimes what people bring to the table is, you know, cold soup or stale bread, you know, it's not, (laughs) it's not quality, it's not improving um, the quality of others around them or really themselves. And so how do you approach that when somebody is bringing negativity, when they are bringing, when they're, the skills that they're showing, you know, their work is riddled with typos or what, whatever, how, how do you deal with that? That's a good question. So definitely just having a conversation, um, bringing it to their awareness. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you aware that, you know, you're misspelling these things or just sharing it as a group, right? So maybe it is a one-on-one or maybe it is a group conversation where, you know, we are trying to impact um, or influence the entire culture, right? So like an example would be um, early on when I got here, I noticed that um, there were emails being sent without subjects. 
And so we did an email etiquette class, right? Where it's just like, you know, when you send emails, include a subject, um, start with a greeting, etc. And so education, right? Just kind of sharing with people, like it's a common courtesy, right? It's something not necessary, but nice. It's helpful for you to be impactful, to craft whatever it is that you're doing in this way um, so that you can eliminate confusion so that you can allow the person that's on the receiving end to make the quickest decision or to easily be able to refer back, you know, if they have questions or if they want to respond at another time. Well, I love that so much, you know, noticing uh, many times we spend these scenarios in our head, like they're doing this intentionally with malintent, mm -hmm. which usually is actually not the case. It's usually a lack of education. They don't know. They don't see it as important. And when we tell people, as you just said, this is why we ought to add a subject line for all of these reasons, most people are going to get on board. And if it's the yeah. standard, then we want everybody to get on board. Mm -hmm. And so noticing, sharing this curiosity, um, yeah. which really helps people to be on mission rather than feeling called out, singled out, maybe belittled, because we know we catch more um, flies with honey, right? Yeah, that's right. With kindness. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So Mark, when you think about the different places that you've worked and experiences that you've had, can you tell us about one that was uh, difficult for you, negative, and, and why it was difficult? So I, I typically repress those types of experiences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I will say I was working in an environment where my opinion and my voice was often um, disregarded, mm -hmm. right? Um, my ideas were often met with, this is why we don't do that, or no, we're not going to do that, or I'll think about it, or we'll see, right? So mm -hmm. it, it was never um, easily accepted and celebrated. Mm -hmm. um, and working in that type of environment is difficult for me, um, especially because my personality is like, I'm vocal and I have ideas and I want to share and I like to collaborate and be part of, you know, a flourishing product or experience. And so, yeah, that that's definitely a time that that I try not to think about or try not to um, replicate for others. Yeah, that happens to so many people where their ideas are shut down. It's clear that it's there is the boss and they are not the boss right yeah. and their ideas are not welcome and that's the best way to get people disengaged to not mm -hmm. have them be productive to not have them flourish right when we flourish at work that has a way of rippling into our personal lives yeah. and vice versa when we're shut down and we are marginalized and we don't feel like anybody cares about us at work that obviously trickles into our personal lives as well yeah yeah. Yeah. Those negative experiences, especially when we are leaders, can really be instructive of what not to do. Yeah, 100%. And I, I consider myself a young professional, a younger leader. Um, and so I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot and just trying to make the best decisions with what I have. You know what I mean? With the experiences that I have, with with the resources and network that I have. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so just trying to think through things, but then also just kind of being gracious and understanding that, you know, I will make mistakes and, you know, I do want to minimize the risks or the errors. You know, one thing that uh, we are all continually in a process of learning and hopefully tomorrow we will be better than we were today in our organizations, right? And um, I know that you have recently gone through a Leadership Jackson, which is a leadership program in Jackson, Mm -hmm. Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And there are leadership programs all across the country. So if you, listener, are interested in in growing as a leader, look into these local organizations, these local programs. Uh, Mark, can you tell us about your experience with Leadership Jackson? Absolutely. Leadership Jackson um, is a program for established and aspiring leaders. Um, And so sometimes I feel like I kind of walk the line because it's like sometimes I'm established, but sometimes I see myself in development, right? I'm still um, becoming a better leader. And so it is a 13 week program that um, involves 29 or 30 other individuals that are involved in the community and um, have an interest in the development of the community. Um, And so it has been a wonderful time, Mary. Like I thought it was gonna be awesome, but now that I'm about 12 weeks in, I'm just like, I'm grieving, to be honest. I'm grieving the fact that it's it's going to end. Um, just learning so much about the community and what's all involved in making a community thrive, mm. whether it be education, medicine, government, um, law enforcement, uh, business and industry. There's so many things um, that that contribute to a healthy, vibrant community. And so to be learning about these different elements with other people that are just as curious or just as committed to this area because they've grown up here or, you know, they want to see more progress has, has been a priceless experience. And, and I want to do it again. You know, <laughs> I, I want to do it again because one, I love learning and the connections that we're making within the cohort are, are priceless. And then we're learning skills about things like, you know, using our resources, our resources being, you know, the people that we have around us or the experiences that we have as individuals or, you know, the the different programs that are active in our community. And so um, Leadership Jackson overall has been life-changing and life-giving. And what I love about programs like Leadership Jackson and other local programs is that it's not just about the community and it's not just about the person, but it's this symbiotic relationship. As you learn about the community, you learn leadership skills. And as you learn leadership skills, you see how that can help the community, right? This Absolutely. Um, and I love that because a lot of leadership material out there, I think is very valuable, but it's a lot about individual one-on-one development of you as leadership skills. Yeah. And that's important. But this aspect of, as you said, well, how do I implement that for the good of my community uh, and my own good and mm-hmm. with one another. I just think that's such an amazing aspect that these kinds of programs just really, they are on it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you a graduate of Leadership Jackson? I am not. I am not. Okay. 
I remember you came and spoke, and I every I, I, I was trying to avoid saying this, but I was literally hanging on to every word that you were saying <laughs> as you were talking about conflict and how conflict can be good and is yeah. often good mm-hmm. because when you engage in conflict resolution properly, um, there's clarity. Right. And a lot of times your connection with whoever there was conflict with is a lot stronger. You feel safer with them. You you trust them. You know that, you know, they they will they're willing to to stand up for what they believe in. Yeah, absolutely. When yeah. we do hard things with people, those those bonds are strengthened. Many times we're unwilling to do it because we think it's gonna break the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so depending, I mean, we have to know who we're talking with or what the situation is, but there's a great chance if you really are curious and listen and a respecter of persons that that relationship with that person at work or who, wherever will be stronger and better and you can do more things together. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any particular takeaway or something that wasn't really meaningful to you about your experience so far? With leadership, leadership Jackson? Jackson. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, I am, I, I'm pulling away with just a better understanding of our community, mm. those who are actively contributing. Um, and I think that's another, that, that's one word um, that I've taken away is contributor, mm. right? Uh, um, like to be a contributor, like you understand what you have, but then you're giving back to something that is other than yourself. And I, it, it goes back to that idea of what we bring to the table, right? So yeah. we don't want to be the, be the person that brings stale bread, right? Or that brings cold soup, but we do want to be the person that brings a napkin, right? Mm-hmm. Or napkins for everyone. The idea of being at a table with people is is a powerful one for me because I enjoy people. I appreciate good hospitality and I would want to be invited back, right? To whatever room or table that I'm invited to. And so to just be mindful of of what we are contributing to an area, to an individual, to a conversation, um, because I do want to be invited back um, to the table. That's really powerful wanting people to want us back because we add value, but also wanting to be in that situation because it has value to give. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so much for speaking with me today on Conflict Managed. This has been an absolute delight. Oh my goodness. I've enjoyed it too, Mary. Thank you for having me. Take care. Right on. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for listening to Conflict Managed. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and that you find peace, love, and joy at this time of the year. I wish you the best in 2023. If there's a particular person you would like Conflict Managed to interview, please let us know. Conflict Managed is produced by third-party workplace conflict restoration services. You can find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.